Welcome to the Rent to Retirement Podcast, your resource for passive real estate investing and retirement strategies. If you're new to real estate or planning your financial future, you're in the right place. Join us at renttoretirement.com to find your path to financial freedom and an easy, carefree retirement. Enjoy the show. Hey, Renter Retires, it's Adam Schrader here with another episode, and I am once again joined by Zach Lemaster, founder and CEO of Renter Retirement. And today we're going to talk about, well, the thing on everybody's lips, especially with the uh, the Fed doing what they're doing recently. And that is, we're going to talk a little bit about the mortgage industry and interest rates. And so for that, I want to bring in uh, two people here. We have Greg and Kyle, who are with the North American Financial. Uh, gentlemen, thanks for joining us today. Thank you for having us. Absolutely. So I, we always like to start off making sure people know that we're talking to people who actually know what they're talking about. So tell us a little bit about um, yourselves, kind of what, how long you've been in the mortgage industry, what you're doing, and just a little bit of background. Well, thank you. My name is Greg Ernst. I'm the CEO of North American Finance. I've been in the lending industry for over 25 years now. We've had uh, North American Financial is a national operation. Um, we are a third generation veteran owned company with over 20 years of company experience in lending in the, in the industry. We have a great relationship and have learned to hone and develop products that best help investors increase their portfolio. And so what are y'all seeing out there? I mean, ever since obviously the Fed started getting concerned about inflation and started raising that, can you talk a little bit about how your conversations with um, potential buyers have has changed over the past few months as they start to see this rise? I mean, we're double the rates that they were at the beginning of the year. So talk a little bit about kind of the change you've seen in buyers, not, not just in um, you know, interest rates. Yeah, and I think that you know what we've seen the market move to is more of an investor market. I think right now is a great time for investors when you know we see rent um, interest rates start going up. Really, what that does is your first-time home buyers are sometimes pushed out of the the market, which then means number one, more renters. Um, number two, more investors, more opportunity for investors to get involved and get into the marketplace. Um, investors understand that long-term being able to get into a property, regardless of you know, where the interest rates may be, is always beneficial for them. They can always refinance, lower those rates at a lower time. And, you know, historically what we've seen is um, rentals or rent amounts have increased 8% year over year. I mean, we haven't seen a rent decrease since 1934. So, you know, Investors really do understand that at the end of the day, they're always going to be able to make that money long term. Um, and, you know, the increase is just going to get pushed onto the renter ultimately. And when they're able to refinance and increase that cash flow, they're going to be able to do so. Yeah, I think that's a great perspective. Um, Kyle, appreciate you guys, you know, adding that in there. Uh, and, and also just for the audience listening in, you are one of our top preferred uh, mortgage partners that, that we send clients to, to to finance investment properties. Uh, because you, you're investors yourselves, you understand the market on a national scale, you, you work with investors specifically. Um, and it's very important to have a lender that you're working with that knows rental real estate and that can really be your advisor on, on that side. So um, we're, we're super happy to have you guys on here and run through this stuff with us from an investor perspective and from someone that works with investors on a national basis. So 
um, and particularly that offers unique type of investment products that we will uh, we'll talk about a little bit later here. Uh, there's a lot of, I mean, this is an evolving uh, time, right? I mean, we have economically we're evolving. Uh, we, we have um, different interest rates and things going on with the real estate market. It's still a very strong market, although I think it's stabilizing a little bit. So it's more of an even playing field, which is a, which is a good thing. From a buying perspective, we get a lot of people that are concerned about, okay, well, all, all they're watching is the interest rates go up and up. And yes, while that is a potential concern, they're missing the big picture. They're sitting on the sidelines and saying, oh, well, now's not the right time to buy. Well, look, no one's been successful in real estate long term, just trying to time the market, trying to time the interest rates. Everyone that is successful that we speak with long term are people that consistently buy, right? I mean, Adam, I forget who we had on that was to talking about was it Richard Duncan that was talking about buying properties in like the eighties at 16% or whatever. And that's when he bought the most real estate in his whole career was at, at those interest rates. And it's, it's really less about what that interest rate is at that point in time, because to your point, Kyle, when rents go up year after year, um, you're paying the, the leverage down, right? If you just run out a 10 year projection on a rental property and remove cash flow altogether, that's how you really build wealth in real estate. Let homes appreciate over time. Let the the, um, the debt be reduced. The tenant, the tenant pays the loan down for you. Um, continue to scale and grow your portfolio and take additional tax benefits. But of course, when we do talk about the cash flow, even though you may have a break even or slightly positive cash flow right now because interest rates are squeezing that a little bit, that doesn't change over time. Your rents are what change and they go up. If you had a property that had a mortgage at $500, and your rent was $600 and then it went up to 650 or 700, you know, that's actually 25 to 50% increase in your cash flow for the next year, right? And so sometimes people just have to think about how to actually analyze that. But the big picture is owning real estate over time is what builds you builds you wealth. And so there's a lot of concern, but in a high inflationary environment, like we always talk about right now, it's even more important to own physical assets. So I'll get off my soapbox, but um, let's talk a little bit more about kind of what unique uh, lending products you're seeing in the market right now, because we always do need to be savvy investors looking at different loan options, looking at the best, making sure we're in, working with the right lenders in, in the market. But I mean, there are some creative things that you guys offer. You offer a 15% down product. If someone needs to bring a little bit lower money to the table, you have a 40 year amortization product and interest only that goes alongside with that and, and other creative options. So can we just kind of get a, a little bit of a run through on these different creative options you offer for investors? Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, we do everything from the non-conforming to the conforming, the conventional loans. And the, the company as a whole, as Greg had mentioned, we've been focusing over the past 20 years is really um, how we can help our investors maximize both their short and long-term goals. And I think that's important to mention because not all investors want to hold on to a property for the long term. Some want to stay in it for maybe five to 10 years. Others want to hold on to it long term and just pay that down and um, you know have the retirement. And when we speak to investors, that's really what we want to focus in on. We want to know, okay, number one, how long do you plan on holding on to this for? What are your goals? Are you looking to pay down that principal entirely? Um, are you looking to just get some cash flow in the immediate time? And from there, we start looking at the different programs. And like you had mentioned, we have the 15% down um, conforming loan. We can do 20, 25% um, those normal conforming loans that we have out there. On top of that, we go into that non-QM space um, that we've really kind of honed in here. And we have everything from your asset depletions, your DSCRs, your um, bank statement programs, which 
we talk about investors, not all of them, as you know, are normal W-2 employees. Not all of them have traditional forms of income coming in. Um, so those asset depletion, DSCR, bank statement programs are great for them, right? We look at income completely differently and how we qualify them with those programs. And then we're able to go ahead and do things like a 10-year IO interest-only period on there for you know, the person who maybe doesn't want to um, hold on to a property long-term. They want to get as much cash flow in the immediate time and then they plan on turning around and flipping that property, selling it off and collecting the uh, the amount of equity that's gained over that period of time, which, you know, the past couple of years has been substantial and they're seeing a lot of uh, benefit with that. We can do things like arms on any of those programs as well as, um, you know, throwing prepayment penalties on there as well for someone who might want to hold on to it long term and, uh, you know, help with whether it's interest rate or things like that. So there's a lot of different programs and add-ons we can do really just depending on what those short and long-term goals are. So really, Kyle, you guys are a one-stop shop for all type of loan options, which is, I think, extremely crucial. It's not just going to, you know, your, your Wells Fargo or some one of these lenders where it's like, hey, I, you know, they offer you this one loan product, right? It's your conventional loan product and it's either you fit this this uh, structure or you don't. Obviously, from an investor perspective, you need to be aware of what, what all are, all are your, are you even taking advantage of the best loan options? Uh, I mean, that's something that's we're intricately familiar with because every single deal that we purchase, we always evaluate that from the lens of multiple lending structures because that can change from deal to deal based on where the market's at, based on how the deal's structured. What is our exit strategy? That's a crucial point that you brought up what is your long-term hold period? Because, and it's okay if you don't know all that on in the beginning going into it. It's just about like, hey, getting that deal done and getting into that investor mindset. But this is part of the learning process is working with individuals like yourself and actually having those discussions are like, what are the other options out there? And how does that look? And how does that play into my overall um, investment portfolio long-term? So if nothing else, it's a huge uh, practice and educational process to go through learning about different loan options and actually running the math on it. Right. I mean, a lot of people that come into our network think that I want to hold this property for 30 plus years, have it all paid off. So so on and so forth. The reality is the average holding period is between three to six years because they have enough equity in that property through um, debt reduction and appreciation. Rents have gone up. Maybe they do cash out refi. Maybe they sell the property 1031 it. Um, so but it's, it's just important to know all these different loan options. So, I mean, Adam, what do you think? Every single every single person in our network is buying the buying properties with the exact same loan structure. Oh, Absolutely. Absolutely. Everybody is. Um, one thing I do want to ask you all about that you touched on a little bit is getting those loans for the non-W-2, for the 1099 employee, for the business owner, because that's one of the people, whenever I talk to investors, that's the hardest one. It's, you know, I, I don't have a W-2. I'm a consultant. I own the business, but it's only been going for, you know, maybe a year. You know, maybe I started it during COVID and I don't have the tax returns that I need to get approved for this you know, regular conventional loan. Talk a little bit about how, you know, what kind of loans are available for those kind of investors. Sure. And, you know, I think the one that we see predominantly is what's called a DSCR, debt service coverage ratio. Um, we're not looking at tax returns or W-2s or any source of income. The way that we qualify that loan, number one, is based on reserves. You want to have a, a larger amount of reserves. Um, and then number two, what we're going to do is we're going to take the expected rents of that property 
and we're going to divide that out by the PITIA, so the principal interest taxes insurance, and then if there is a HOA on the property. Um, as long as that ratio comes out and we're over one, I, over one is the ideal scenario, um, then we're qualifying them based on that. And you know, when we look at that as well, we can still do the other things like interest only periods and arms and such on there to really help uh, you know meet those whether they're short or long-term goals but the DSCR number one I think is the biggest one for investors um, for your non-traditional borrowers or your um, non-w2 business owners entrepreneurs uh, other ones for business owners we can obviously do the 12 and 24 month bank statement programs as well um, we'll actually look at the deposits for that business as opposed to looking at what their taxes business tax returns may show um, and we can get an income number based on that or the asset depletion, you know, if somebody who is maybe they're retired or they are an entrepreneur, they have a large amount in reserves. Um, and then we will take that number, we'll pull out what the expected um, payments and such are, and then divide that up to get an income number. So, you know, what we've really focused on is how can we go and qualify these entrepreneurs, these investors in different ways that are a little more non-traditional. And um, during that time, we've been doing everything from underwriting these products in for you know, well over 10 years now, one of the first to actually do that. Asset-based lending is, is huge. These DSCR products, this is, this is something that every investor should be learning about at, at any stage in their investing career. And I think it's even more relevant today. We have a lot of people that um, are you know, entrepreneurs or starting businesses, starting the real estate business, whatever the case is, they may not fit that conventional type of loan product. Um, and, and some people we found that come into the mindset of like, and this is, I mean, this is just what they know uh, to no fault of their own, but this is just the typical process of using Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac loans. You know, we have these, these 10 loans. That's what they've used for maybe one investment purchase or their primary residence. Uh, and, and that's all they know. But the, the reality is that as you scale your portfolio and you get past those, those loan structures, you, you will have to use these type of loans at, at some point in your career. And it's important to learn about it. And often Sometimes they can be even more strategic and in, in be uh, you know, a better loan structure for you. Or if you don't qualify, if you're looking through an investor self-directed IRA with non-recourse debt, or you, you don't qualify for that conventional loan. So these are, I mean, this is something we, we deal with consistently and with, with our own purchases. And so I think this is a, a great place where you guys can offer the conventional loan products for those that, that need those. Uh, and sometimes that does make the most sense. Or also in especially when the rates are a little crazy right now or people want to be a little bit more creative to make the cash flow numbers make sense, then they can explore these options. And it's really important to be working with a, an individual and a, uh, a team like yourselves that are familiar with investing and can help guide you. You're building a, I always tell people, you're building a real estate business. You want to surround yourself and network with the right people in the industry. That's going to be your, like, your group of advisors, right? This is the same thing for tax and legal and lending is a huge thing. But when you talk about financing on a deal, a lot of times if you're looking at a deal through one lens with one conventional loan product, and that's the only way you're evaluating it, you may be missing out on a, a deal that could make sense with a different loan structure in place. And so that's why it's always important to really know what your options are to be an educated and savvy investor, because there are some type of deals that may not make sense with a conventional product that could make sense with another type of loan product or something to that degree. And that's why it's important to have, um, you know, professionals like yourselves that are familiar with the industry. Uh, Greg, can you talk a little bit about on that, on that point? Like wh why do you enjoy working with investors on the lending side 
And why is it important for investors to also make sure that they're working with people like yourselves that are investors and are familiar with investment properties? Oh, absolutely, Zach. So we really like watching the success that our investors have. The more success that they have, the more that they want to come back to us, the more that they want to work with us. We really get enjoyment in watching and showing people how they can leverage money with real estate and how important that is. When you do comparisons and when you look at the market, so I understand a diverse portfolio. They, they may we want to have some of their 401k or stock market into this. They may want to invest in some other items and then they want to have investments into real estate. Every top investor that you read, every investment book, every leverage book that you read, they all talk about investing into real estate because of the importance of the value. Why is it important leveraging that real estate? It's because if you were to use an example, so let's say you have $100,000 that you have to invest. So your options are, I might invest that into a CD at the bank. What are you going to get? About a 2.5% return on that? You, you compare that with, I'm going to invest that into the stock market. Most of your stock market brokers are going to tell you, we get about, we offer about a five to 6% return is what our anticipation is going to be in the stock market. Obviously that hasn't happened in the last year or so. Most of them have, have significant losses into this, but you start comparing that to what would happen in the real estate market. Now we use the information from the federal reserve economic data, and we look at over the last 12 years, last 12 years, home prices have gone up just a little over 7% per year. So let's look at those three scenarios just very briefly. So you have your CD. You've put your $100,000 into a CD. At the end of five years, that CD is you've turned that thing over. At the end of five years, you've made about $13,000 on that CD. That's estimating about a 2.5% return off of that. You take that same $100,000 and you put it in the stock market. Let's say the stock market's going to generate you on the upper end and say it's going to give you your 6% per year. So at the end of five years, that stock market has given you about a $34,000 return on this. Now, your third option is, is that do, do the rent retirement group. Now we're going to invest in, we're going to pick up two properties with that. So with that $100,000, I'm going to pick up two properties for, let's say, about $220,000 and, and break those out over a period of five years. At the end of five years, you've generated about $180,000 in equity into that property. So it, there is no comparison when you talk about that. If you take those same numbers and you extrapolate them out for 10 years, on a CD, you're at about $28,000 at the end of 10 years. In the stock market, maybe $80,000 if the stock market hasn't taken a huge dip. In the real estate market, you could be in excess of $400,000 in net profit off of that period of time. And what we encourage our individuals to do is to look at it and say, instead of just looking at it and picking up those two properties. Now, remember, after 10 years, you own two properties that are worth north of 800,000, 850,000, depending upon the, uh, the marketplace. You take that same period of time and, and let's say after five years, you cash out two of those properties and pull $50,000 out of each of those. So now you've pulled your original investment back out of them and you reinvest those into two more properties. So now at the end of 10 years, you own four properties worth north of about 1.4, almost $1.5 million with about almost $700,000 in equity into those properties from your original $100,000 investment. There is absolutely no comparison. You can take these numbers and take them to your CPA and they will 
absolutely agree with us that this is the way that this system works in here. It is a fantastic way of dealing with this. And when you talk about every wealthy person that's out there, almost every single one of them has made a bulk of their wealth in real estate. I love it. I mean, you're preaching to the, <laughs> preaching to the choir, of course. We're, uh, we're, we love it. We're on the same page. And that's, and that's just talking mainly just about the, just the growth across the board comparison, right? We didn't even get into the, the money that you're receiving in the meantime with cash flow that then you can reinvest, reinvest and expedite this and get this compounding effect. We're not talking about loan reduction. We're not talking about the tax benefits and depreciation, potentially taking accelerated depreciation. I mean, it's just all that, all that combined. I mean, yeah, you're, 100% with you, Greg. There's nothing else that compares. And, and that's why interest rates don't matter, right? At the end of the day, uh, everyone's concerned about interest rates. It's really the new investors that, you know, are just looking at, oh, this property is going to cash flow 150. Now it's 110. Or now it went from 70 to potentially 30. It's like, you are missing the big picture, my friend. Um, and that's that's what you just outlined uh, very well is, is the big picture. I mean, we I think we can all agree on that. And that's why interest rates, I mean, it's just a point in time. We can't hit this point home enough. Uh, the savvy investors get it. That's why they're still investing aggressively, including ourselves. Um, we bought more real estate um, this year than we, we did any other year prior. And we were on track to buy more next year. And interest rates are going up. So it doesn't, I mean, it, it doesn't matter. But that's how you build wealth, um, you know, through real estate. I appreciate you going through those examples. What, what do you think? Well, Adam? if I can add one point, too. Yeah. Is, is that when when I talk with individuals and they've I mean, I've obviously been in the industry a long time, as, as I'm sure you guys have. We've seen the ups and downs in there. The one thing I always remind the investors is, is that, number one, your property is always worth something. It always has a value to it. And historically, properties will always increase in value. So I give them, I try to give them a little quick story about my, my personal family on it. So my, my parents, when I was born, my parents in the 60s, ate myself a little bit, but my parents bought their first house in Costa California, paid almost $30,000 for their house, little 2000 square foot residential house. When my dad sold that house in the late 70s, he sold it for $80,000. He thought that he had made the biggest deal in the history of, of real estate. He, I remembered him walking around the house talking about how much money he made, how great that that was. No one was going to get more money than that property. I looked that property up recently. <laughs> the most recent sale of that property was $1.5 million. You cannot tell me that property values are going to go stagnant. They will grow. They will gain in value. Your assets will grow over time. Like I said, we use solid data for the work that we do here. And when investors look at these things, sometimes I think they, they almost look at it like it's unreal. And I tell them, I said, look, do your own groundwork on this. You can get the same information that we can get on this. And you can create the type of wealth that you really want to have is versus the individual who wants to put their money in a CD and get their, you know, their $2,500 or $3,000 a year in there. Yeah, and I look at it and you know, you look at the situation we're in now and it is great. I mean, it's one of those times, you know, people say, oh, homes are selling slower. It's like, yeah, I put a home up on the market and I had to wait. Um, you're not going to believe this. I had to wait two weeks before I got an offer on the home. I mean, that's just ridiculous, <laughs> right? But in today's environment right now, when you talk about, you know, Warren Buffett says buy when there's blood in the streets. Well, there are homes in the streets right now and homes that are available that wouldn't have been available you know, six months ago because it would have been snatched up. Well, now 
if you look at the rent to retirement site, we have a bunch of homes on there. Some of them are coming from teams who have come back to us and said, you know what? These, we can't just put it up and have it sold in two days. So now we want to offer it to your investors. And so guess what? More opportunities are there. You know, it's, it's one of those things that there people always say, I want to buy when there's blood in the streets, but then the blood starts coming and nobody wants to get involved in it because it's too scary right now. Well, this is when fortunes are made, essentially, whenever you look at it. And you can get a, a better home that's out there. Maybe it's a lower cash flow today, but it's a better home than you could have gotten beforehand. And I I don't know a better way or a great way to just kind of smack people over the head through the phone and be like, open your eyes. This is one of those times. But uh, you know, I, it, I, I can't recommend it enough to people whenever I talk to them. Yeah. Well, Adam is painting a little bit of a morbid, morbid picture with... Uh, blood in the streets, but I, I think, and really it's like, there are homes in the street. It's not, this is not a bad, a bad market, right? Like our, our economics are changing and the market is, is stabilizing is, is really what it is. Yes. The, the past two to three years have been a little bit ridiculous and challenging. It's been challenging for investors because yeah, you can go out and throw your uh, piece of crap property on the MLS and have 15 offers all cash above what it's worth. And, you know, sellers could demand things like that. Well, now it's, it's stabilizing a little bit more where you, you have a better opportunity or more on a level playing field. Um, I guess the question would be people are concerned about, you know, does this mean a crash is coming? They're worried about buying. It's like, look, again, that's very short-sighted. And Adam, you know, the people that get it, get it, right? I mean, the people that are consistently buying over time, they get it. They, they see the, the big picture. It's the people that are new and nervous and are wondering about getting into real estate um, that are, you know, cause, this is causing them to delay their, their investing, which ultimately is not going to help them and accomplish their goals long-term because the alternative is like, Okay, what else are you going to do with your money? I love asking people that question. Yeah, like what else are you going to do? And and the real answer is, oh, I don't know. You know, like, um, you know, but in, in this type the of indices are only down like twenty percent this year. <laughs> I mean, the, the <laughs> with the inflation where it's at, you you have to be doing something, right? And I want to make this very a very serious point. Like, you, you need to be doing something. And a real estate, we we are obviously advocating for real estate. Real estate investor, we sell real estate, so. You know, but this is this is also how we've built our own personal wealth uh, over time, and we're all savvy investors, and we're all still buying. Um, the real estate market actually is fairly strong still, um, and still a seller's market. Believe it or not, it's just a little bit easier to acquire real estate, and that's a good thing that we're seeing more availability for us um, because that means there's more to choose from. There's more to select based on your criteria, your location, your goals. If you want new construction, you want you know, single family or multifamily. That's a good thing where sellers aren't just throwing them on the MLS and, you know, and that's easy enough for them to do. So th this is a good thing actually for us. Um, and th that's the discussion to be had, not really about interest rates. Um, I, debt is a huge thing to have when, when we've hit this point home a thousand times, but in high inflationary environments, you, you got to have debt, right? Like we're leveraging up as much as we possibly can. Um, and there's a lot of properties we're buying that are break even cash flow. I'm completely fine with that because I know that two, three years down the road, those rents will go up and we are, uh, you know, that, that leverage that we're using is being devalued over time. And that's really another way to build wealth, but kind of tying it back to, to Greg and Kyle, um, Greg or, or Kyle, can you guys talk about like, you know, why, why is it important to be working with a lender that really understands investing? Like Greg, all the stuff that you went through, like that, those are important discussions to have with investors that really see the big picture that are trying to build their portfolio. You need that sounding board and a lender that is familiar with real estate investments on a national scale to, to walk you through your goals um, versus just a random lender or one of these like 
you know, rocket mortgage or whatever online where people like, you know, get, they get these stupid quotes and <clears throat> I refuse to work with those lend, you know, those lending options because you're, I mean, you're just not working with like a savvy type of loan office or someone that understands real estate. Why is that so important to have that person in your network for your future success? Yeah, I, I think it really comes down to being able to have that conversation. Right. And whether you're a first time investor, um, which I, I think it's even more important at that point to have someone be working with someone who really understands the market and investing as a whole or a long term investor. I can tell you how many times I've talked to investors who, you know, they may have five, six properties. They've they've been doing this for a long time. But whether it's programs are not aware of, um, you know, like the interest only and people just don't go in. They kind of go with that mindset of, OK, you want to buy an investment property here's your option. And it's an option. And that option may be 20 or 25% down, but it's really not asking them, what are your goals? What do you want to do? And what do you want to accomplish? And that's really where we're able to help those investors um, a lot more so than, you know, going online and clicking a button. I'm, I'm a firm believer that if it was a matter of just clicking a button and everyone knew what they wanted, we'd all be a kiosk at the end of the day. We'd just be filling out information online. Um, having that human element, really being able to talk through goals, challenges, whatever the case may be, and, you know, giving each individual investor that amount of time that they really deserve and need is what separates us from, you know, like you said, the rockets or the, the online side of that of lenders. So going into those loan products you were talking about, like the interest only, the 15%, can you tell us a little bit about like what kind of people um, each of those ones might be for? Yeah, for sure. Um, <clears throat> I, I think that you're, when we, when we look at the 15% down, that's typically going to be a, maybe a first time investor or somebody who has a little bit less cash reserves, um, or they're looking to take that 15% and now purchase multiple properties, right? Saving five to 10% on that down payment will allow them to then go and get, you know, possibly three properties instead of two, two properties instead of one, whatever the case may be. You're just, um, you know, stretching out that reserve money a little bit further. Uh, when we look at, say, uh, an interest-only program or our DSCR, they're going to be more for, I would think, your experienced investors or your entrepreneurs. Um, <clears throat> the interest-only is is really dependent on what that investor's long-term goals are, right? Um, depending on how we do the program. If you're doing a DSCR, it's not even a matter of qualifying them at that point. The interest-only is really just about, okay, do you plan on holding on to this for the long term or the short term? If it's short term, then you want to get into an interest only. Let's increase that cash flow in the immediate time. But you're not going to be understanding you're not going to be paying down that principal at all. You're banking on that appreciation over that, you know, five to 10 year period. Um, when we look at investors who maybe are getting closer to retirement, a lot of times want to get into more of a fixed loan. They don't want to have that uh, interest only period on there. They're usually taking that full rental payment that they're receiving and paying down extra on that principal because they want to get to the point in, you know, 20 years or 15 years where now they're just cash flowing everything that comes in. The property's paid off. They have no headaches, nothing to worry about making a mortgage payment or anything like that. It's just strictly re uh, revenue coming in. So it really does depend on on what they're doing. Um, asset depletion, again, people with a lot of money in the bank, higher reserves, maybe even a higher net worth, and we're looking at it that way. Um, but the conforming loans, 
yeah, it just really depends on the short and long-term goals. What are you trying to do um, immediately? And then what are you trying to do long-term? I mean, that's what it all boils down to ultimately is, and I'm glad that you said that I was just having the discussion with the, with the investor to actually hear what are their goals instead of just pitching them any, any type of loan product or the one size fits all product. Cause it, that's, that's not how portfolio portfolios are built. And um, you know, goals are, are dynamic over time. There's a lot of people that, that, you know, people hear about interest only and they um, sometimes, you know, have, it has a negative connotation or like arm or something like that. There's many successful savvy investors using those products, but they're using it because that fits their goals at that point in time. You know, maybe the goal is to cash flow as much as possible um, for the, for three years and then exit the property. Well, maybe interest only makes more sense because in, in reality, you're not, you're not actually paying that much principal down in three years on a fixed product if you're only it holding it down. So, yeah. <laughs> so what are y'all um, just in general rate wise? Are y'all, do y'all think that we're just going to see a continuous climb for a while? Or are y'all thinking, you know, maybe sometime next year it might slow down a little bit? I mean, kind of looking into your, uh, your mortgage crystal ball, which uh, I know everybody wishes they Based had. Upon what we're here. Oh, sorry about that. Well, <laughs> based upon what we're reading and what we're seeing in the marketplace in there, you know, we've always seen that they always do cycle, which means there's going to be a time period in which they're going to go up for a little bit. And then you'll see them recede back down a little bit. Sometimes they'll recede back down and continue back down. Sometimes they'll recede back down and flatten. Right now, what we see is we're anticipating maybe towards the end of next year, we might see the interest rates settle back down a little bit. I mean, we don't look rates long term because we know the ability that we have to, if we need to, we refinance an individual. So again, they want to get into the property now so that they can get a hold of the appreciation value of that property. I mean, you look at what property has done and continues to do and what is expected to do, property values are supposed to be continuing to increase. So we want to get people into those properties now, even if they, like, like Zach said, even if it's not cash flowing as much as they would like it to. Because two things that are going to happen is, number one, is that eventually interest rates can drop back down. And when they drop back down, we can refinance them and, and increase cash flow. But more importantly, is rent prices will continue to go up. Whether it's every year, every two years, there's going to be a steady increase. And each time they have a rent increase, they have a net increase in their cash flow. So depending upon what they're doing, again, if their goal is to get the property paid off, we tell them that, hey, if you don't need that money now, do principal reduction on that loan. Now that 30-year mortgage is going to be paid off in 18 years or 15 years as you increase those payments out every year. So you get that property paid off. So that by the time you retire, like we said, property's free and clear. It cash flows completely into it. Or what you do is, is that you maximize the cash return off of it. And, and we do see that a lot with investors. They just want to see the cash flow on that. So and if that's their needs into it, we'll either put them into a, um, an interest-only program in there. We may recommend doing a buy-down on their interest rates so that they get their interest rate down as low as possible. Um, but we also work with those, those investors when they come back to us, um, specifically with the RTR group, that if the investors come back to us in a year from now or a year and a half from now because they either want to pull some cash out to be able to reinvest or they want to lower their interest rate on it, what we do is, is we waive all of our lender fees so the only thing that they would be paying is whatever type of escrow, uh, escrow fees, any type of preliminary or outside fees that are involved into it. But the rest of the stuff we we take care of because we want them to continue on with that property. Yeah, yeah, that's, when, that's huge to have that ongoing relationship. Um, you know, we're gonna say Adam. Oh, so you know, we've heard 
you know, people talk about the 80s, there was really high interest rates. The last few years, they were really low. When you look historically, it sounds like y'all do a lot of kind of data research. What is a quote unquote normal investment loan interest rate that you see? Because people are freaking out about, you know, sixes or maybe even sevens. And I mean, really, it's not that that's not that bad. So looking historically, kind of what is a, a rough range that, you know, investment loans tend to stick in? If you look at the last 30 years, the average interest rate for an investment property is between seven and 8%. So you're right. We've been a little skewed the last few years because rates were abnormally low. Um, again, they do anticipate rates to kind of settle back down. There is a reaction based upon what's happening in the economy and the Fed's raising the rates and not knowing what's going to happen with whatever inflationary factors that are going into it. Once those things kind of level off and the stock market gets a hold of what's happening and their mortgage-backed securities will start easing up a little bit and you're going to start seeing those rates settle back down again. So now are they going to go back down to the twos and threes? Yeah, highly unlikely that they'll be there. But could they realistically get back into the fours and fives? Absolutely. Uh, that's a very good point. Thank you for sharing that context. Like, okay, so just to reiterate that, seven to eight percent would be considered normal over historical averages over the yep. past 30 years. So just to put things in perspective, and right now we're still below that, right? So that that could be also, mm -hmm. again, I just want to keep reiterating. So anyone that is waiting to buy real estate um, because of their concern about interest rates, you know, if we get back in that normal range, I mean, it, it's better now if you get started now if interest rates go up, right? And it, it's also okay if you get started now if interest rates go down because then you can refi if if needed. Um, but the bigger exactly. picture is, I think there's this understand or this this um, kind of assumption that if with interest rates going back up to where they should be and where the normal range is, that there's going to be some sort of market correction. And so they have this assumption that real estate prices will come down as interest rates go up. We're not seeing that happen, right? Are we? We're seeing properties, as Adam mentioned, sell. This this is our business. This is our livelihood. What we monitor every single day. Um, what we're seeing in the market, to be clear is that it's it's a more level playing field it's a more normal type of real estate market where buyers and sellers you know there's maybe some negotiation there's some you know people aren't selling them just aggressively which which is unnormal as well um, but we're not seeing a dip in home prices now maybe there's a small sector and i think there's there could potentially be at the very high price points in some of these areas where you lose a ton of buyers because it a you know one to four million dollar luxury type of house or even normal house in some markets like yeah, a couple percent interest rate, that reduces a lot of buyers that could have bought that house. Historically speaking, and generally speaking, below half a million dollars, which is the typical investment type of properties that we focus on in, in that two to $400,000 range, those remain un, untouched in terms of price. They are continuing to appreciate, especially when you're in a market where you have um, supply and demand discrepancies, which is exactly what we're dealing, dealing with right now. If you've listened to any previous economic episodes we've done, we talked about the difference between 2008, which was an oversupply, an extreme oversupply, in addition to all the craziness with lending, you know, and things going on at that point in time. And, you know, people stated income loans and people not buying for cash flow, et cetera, et cetera. But right now it's completely different, right? We have interest rates going back up to normal. The economy is, you know, stabilizing a little bit, a little bit of a recession, but it's really not aggressively on any sort of trend really what we're seeing we're just seeing more stabilization but the real estate market is still extremely strong and that's important to understand for your investing um for your investing goals long term and still why it makes sense to continue to invest especially 
strategically in the path of progress where there is a uh, high demand and a low supply where we're still seeing an immense amount of people that need houses to buy and need need renters. Um, and in these, when you're building below or buying below the median house price point in these kind of B-class areas, these things are pretty recession-proof and consistently see rental increases. Adam, did did I hit all the points I think that you like to talk about? Did I miss anything in that? I mean, that's obviously our perspective. So. I, I think you hit them all. It's a pretty wide berth there. So I think I think it was all hit. Cut me hit. off, man. I get I'm on my tangents today, so you know. Interest rates, taxes. I mean, it's everything that gets that going when it comes to it. So talking, you know, Zach was mentioning the the last crash. Talk a little bit about why the mortgages are in such better shape. Because I mean, like you were saying, people are actually putting money down on loans. They're actually getting their things there. So why is the mortgage um, situation or how much better is it this time than it was during the last time that people think of, you know, a housing market correction? Well, let me go with this one. This uh, Number one, I lived through the whole thing in there and I watched exactly what happened in there. So first of all, a great deal of, of controls were put into what we call predatory lending. You brought up the um, NEGAM loans and stuff like that. The funny thing is, been in business for 25 years, never once sold a negative AM loan. I, I never believed in them, never sold them. So that market has changed. So there's a bunch of key factors that are happening that'll tell us that there's we are not gonna go through a 2008 crash. It isn't gonna happen. Mark my words on this, it will not happen. We've got the bulk of the nation has their homes in these two, three, and 4% interest rate loans. They can't rent for the price that they um, are paying right now for their mortgages. So those individuals are not gonna let their homes go. So that, that's one part of the market. The other part of the market is, is that they've put a great deal of controls, not just in the type of products, but how we qualified individuals. Zach brought up stated income loans. Those, we don't do stated income loans. Every loan that we do, either one, like we talk about a DSCR loan, is gonna have a lot of equity into the property. We have 20, 25% equity into the property. People aren't walking away from that. Number two is, is we have um, individuals that have, we've qualified their income um, without using a stated income program in there. Meaning not only did we qualify their income with let's say a pay stub, but we're able to validate what their tax return state and everything else. So they've put checks and balances in the system so that this will never happen again. We're not gonna see the crash happen the way that it did before. We're not gonna see home prices drop the way that they did before. Like any market correction, you'll see, you can see the home prices flatten out. Maybe in some of the more aggressive markets, you might see them recede maybe 5% or something like that. But that, that 5%, historically you will watch recovers very quickly, usually within 12 to 24 months, even if it has a, a little bit of a receipt in the value into it. That's why we tell everyone, this is the best time to get into the marketplace right now. Good inventory into the market, gives you a better selection out there for the products that you want. You're not chasing somebody that's emotionally tied to a property um, because they're buying it for their personal residence. You're buying it with the strategy, uh, the strategy of being able to to um, rent that property out and give you a long-term investment into it. So we just still see that this is a fantastic marketplace for this. Greg and Kyle, thank you so much for joining us today. Really appreciate y'all uh, and everything you brought to the table for us. For, uh, for anybody out there who wants to learn a little bit more about 
the uh, the loan offerings they have, you can send them an email. It's rtr at nafloans.com. That's rtr at nafloans.com. Also, if you're on the phone with one of your uh, RTR strategists like myself, you can just say, hey, you know, I need a lender recommendation and we'll get you their information as well. So again, really appreciate you gentlemen joining us today and for all the knowledge you're dropping for our listeners. Uh, for everybody else, you can check us out at renttoretirement.com. That's renttoretirement.com. Would appreciate a review on whatever podcast platform you utilize. And if you have any questions, email them to podcast at rent to retirement and we will answer them or talk about them on a future podcast episode. We'll talk to you on the next episode.